You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A, a lot of creds right there. That's a heck of a question you asked. No. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. It's Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload tape review of the Cardinals game where the Seahawks completed their sweep over Arizona. We'll also have our Seahawks Buccaneer Buccaneer Seahawks Buccaneers preview where I am currently in Germany. We are recording this at four past four in the morning my time. I have not been to sleep. I was last awake at 8 a.m. I am on a 20-hour pattern right now. Let's go. Griff. You, yeah. you made me go viral, which was nice of you. You didn't need to do that. I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I, I clipped that that clip of you asking Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll about his um, his, his personal history with, with, with the bear front um, and how it relates to modern football. And you got quite the interesting answer, didn't you? Yeah, it was it was detailed. No, it was too, it was too personal. Yeah, you you um you cut a little too deep, and he he um neglected to answer, but he did um he gave a little pat on the back in front of everybody, in front of the whole football world. There we go. Um, there that we was go. very that was very cool. Now, um, Griff, everyone... I also did well, enough of this niceness. I also did some investigative journalism today. You sure did. Have Let's... you have you noticed this investigative journalism? Uh, what what are we referencing here? Because my well, well, clearly not. Different ways. As a man who obviously studies volcanoes, oh sure, yeah. You 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 know you're familiar with taking pictures of objects, and I went. I uh, spent my entire morning to visit the Olympic Tower in Germany. Oh. Um, I saw NFL Deutschland after tweeting a picture of Geno Smith on the Olympic Tower. They tweeted a picture of Tom Brady on the east side of the Allianz Arena, which then got me very concerned that, in fact, NFL Deutschland was lying no. and that um, the Geno Smith image was photoshopped. So you're saying it was perhaps a 
propaganda campaign perpetrated by German media. Big quarterback. Yes. I actually know it was because I then visited said Olympic Tower, which uh, is a bit out of town. And there is no Geno Smith on the side of it. It's a big scandal. Wow. So then you promptly you turned back to your hotel. I I took the U-Bahn. The The U-Bahn? Oh, the (laughs) U-Bahn. Okay. Okay. And um, Greg Greg Bell, um, unfortunately, in the press conference today, uh, Gino Smith said, I thought it was photoshopped about this image, which which is, to find out it's real, I'm honored. So, so you have to Gino break in the press conference has been told it's real. So I think it would be in the Seahawks' interest if someone let Gino know that actually NFL Germany has, you know, literally not wrote him onto this tower. He has been wrote off the tower. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that is extra motivation for the Seahawks quarterback. Mm, yeah. He'll let his throwing do the writing back. Yes. Um, come Sunday. Now, I wanted to buy a a, po- a copy of the New York Times and put it uh, next to the Olympic Tower, you know, the old uh, date. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the tobacco, which was selling newspapers next to the Olympic Tower, only took cash. It's only took cash, and I take it that you only had digital means of. I did of transference of currency. Germans call money Geld, which is quite Geld. a medieval, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that's really, that's kind of going back a ways, isn't it? That, that's cool. Well, we Some mustn't part. talk history. We mustn't talk history. <laughs> but Maddie, if we don't talk history, we'll be doomed to repeat it. Well, that's why I studied history. Oh, also, I, I like That's why you've the... studied the bear front, because it's <laughs> not new. It goes back that you learned. Centuries from... and centuries. Or maybe just decades and decades. We don't have to go that far back, right? Oh, yeah. So it goes back to Pete Carroll's time at, you finish the sentence. NC State. NC State. That's right. Even it even predates um, USC, predates even his time at the 49ers. Because of course. Because of course. I mean, odd fronts go back forever, but this specific, you know, front and everything. Um, anyway. Have we riffed enough? Yes, we've riffed. There's a good intro. I'm still in Germany, so there you go. I'll still yeah. be in Germany when you hear me on Sunday after the Silks played the Buccaneers. But before we preview that game, the Cardinals tape. And it was pretty damn good. If we start the defense, Griffin, yeah. they kind of had a great game plan for Cliff. I think there was a nice element of the, the two sort of ju- uh, duking it out. Cliff let down by his player's execution. That is also his responsibility as a coach, but... His, some of his ideas were there, right? But I think right. obviously... Especially, especially in the opening script, and then it fades. But... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's sorry, a, that's always well. been a bit of a cliff thing. No, no, I'm laughing because that's it, very it true. It fell off a cliff. Yes. The, king's bre- the king was buried. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so well, I was going to... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I thought I was the funny guy, and I thought you were the straight man. So why yeah, are you? Because remember, I'm the I'm the comedy guy. Ah. So Maddie, let's save the jokes for me. 
Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Um, anyway, anyway, we're tight, getting, tight. We're... Cut this bit out. Griff doesn't want to come off like a diva. Cut this out. All right, cool. Right, thanks, Ty. Okay, so what was nice about this was, and it you know evokes past Ken Norton Jr. approaches to Arizona <coughs> when when they're having success was there was a lot of them being able to get their outside linebacker dropping to the right area. Now, Clint Hurt also mentioned that they went into this game expecting a lot of formation into the boundaries. So that's where you have the uh, offense aligning more players into the short field. So why they do that? Well, creates better angles, but it also, there's less room there. So maybe they've come back across the field, but also it creates room outside. If you want to run away from it, there's, there's many reasons for that. He also mentioned they expected four strong quads kind of formations and a word he called bingo, which I think is what they called uh, quads, which would make sense given a bingo drop is like dropping in that manner, kind of. So, Griff. Yeah. Did you see that too? The the outside linebacker dropping in in a nice fashion. Yeah. um, You you know, when, when they get, four receivers to one side or even when it's not and they get three receivers to one side um you know the offense is flooding the defense so the defense wants to be able to flood them back and get numbers so that they're not outnumbered to one side of the field so um we saw a lot of you know that that principle that we've talked about in, in past episodes here where they drop the outside linebacker to the same side of the nickel um or even when you're when you're in um even when you're in uh, uh, base personnel, um, dropping the the strong side outside linebacker, um, and that's essentially you're you're just getting numbers to where to where the receivers are. So a lot of the RPOs that they do, um, it's uh, if if they're if they're throwing a bubble out there, you've got and and there's three blockers, you can get three bodies on each blocker, and then somebody's running free to go tackle the player. And a lot of those um, screens and swing passes, um, they didn't go for a lot of yards. They might have nickel and dimed them a little bit, but all the explosives like that they've the defense has been giving up was vanished this game. Um, and I think that when they're in that five-one-five uh, look or even three-four true three-four look personnel, um, even though you can be in danger of getting your outside linebacker walked out and, and forming an overhang with a guy that's 250 plus, um, they're also letting that go ahead. On that point as well, Griff, they flashed a, a, a tiny bit of having the nickel was the second edge rusher, but playing bear to avoid right. that, like they ran against the giants, which is cool to see. And I, I imagine if it had been a closer game, we'd have seen that crop up a bit more. So, like you said, you don't really want a 250-pound dude doing that, but you want to run burn. You want to have Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks out there. How would you do that? Well, take the 250, one of the 250-pounders off. Right. And, and and but so back to when they were in, in the, the 515 looks or, or uh, three, four looks, um, even though that could work against them, they were using it so that it worked for them, and they made sure that they rotated week down with Ryan Neal so that that drop wasn't, that guy wasn't one of three underneath droppers. He was one of four underneath droppers. Um, and and it's really just getting, it's very simple. You're just getting numbers in the right place. And that was kind of their, their early game RPO answer. Um, and, and, and the run element of RPO was, was Murray. It, it was like an empty um, 
uh, RPO proposition. And then when he when the read meant keep, it meant take off, the defensive line just in every facet dominated wow. the Cardinals offensive line. I mean, just absolutely even like you like you posted um a clip or, or a screenshot, even when Cardinals have the right scheme and the right, you know, the angles, the numbers and everything, they Nwosu was a two for one player. Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, they're all two for one players on the on the weak side of those runs. So it was just uh kind of hilarious to watch. Oh. It was marvelous, absolutely marvelous. Um, Puna is, I think, the player who's, pro, you know, embraced this new, the new techniques up front or the old techniques, the the reversion to what they were doing in twenty twenty one the most in a way because, like, I mean, they've all benefited, but he was lost playing this kind of mirror stepping, like passive read and react uh, deal, but now. As a three technique, he's, I mean, and the Cardinals offensive line is poor, right? But he's just dominating guys. And even as a four-eye, and you've put it in the notes, Puna having a split-leg stance when he's a four-eye, I think that, so when we're talking about here on the inside of the tackle, and Seattle still does use this uh, inside of the tackle alignment rather than three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard. They use it in bare fronts when they have tight end to their side, for example, or... Mm-hmm perhaps to protect, say, a nickel on the edge or perhaps a quarter safety behind them. So the quarter safety is kind of expected to fit in the run a bit more. And so to buy him time, they use a four-eye. But even now, like, when when Puna's aligned on the inside shoulder of a tackle, that split, that stance is almost like it's so he can step into it a bit more. It's not a power step, but he's more come into balance in that lateral step. But it's much more powerful than what we saw when he was doing the old way and it seemed the old way he was lining up like, like one yard off the ball he wasn't lining up properly yeah. in the and, trenches and you know for and i think it's very specific to him because he he's very you know dense and compact and everything but he just doesn't have the raw mass to to anchor on i guess certain looks so it's letting him kind of literally game like physics gain more more momentum and pack a bigger punch so that he can engage the block better. Um, I really feel like a lot of this, you know, more on average, more three techniques than more four I four techniques. Because I I really wonder part of it isn't just the alignment and then the post snap techniques they're playing, but how they are reading their keys, letting them process faster and then play faster. Because when you're a three technique, you're you're heavier on the guard, right? With your eyes than you are the, the the tackle. So you're letting whatever the guard does inform your play. They ran counter, and maybe they were just game planned the crap out of them. Um, but you know they ran um, not power, sorry. They ran counter to the weak side, right? A lot this game, and anytime that guard left, it's like all right, I know exactly what I'm doing. And they just they whooped that that right tackle, you know, who endlessly every time. <laughs> Um, and they just, cause they knew exactly what was coming. Um, so I, I really wonder if, you know, if it's also helping their ball get off when it's a pass, when it's a drop back, when they're in the same front, I don't know. I don't know, but they're, it's just, they've, there's this huge downstream effect and it's all of its positives. So it's pretty cool yep. to see. And watching the broadcast when Kyla Murray did check the ball down, we suggested, uh, in our live tape reaction, that that was a symptom of Seattle's coverage actually 
doing well and the tape did confirm that there was nothing open deep uh, there was a few kind of away from the fast three so Seattle in middle field open they've pushed their coverage with the fast three to that side there's a few of those where Seattle should have perhaps uh, not Seattle uh, Kyler should have thrown the backside dig or there may have been an opportunity to but then like that's the coverage yeah. and he didn't so like they're disguising well they're doing they're doing well and I thought um in in the passing downs well actually no Drift, you, you saw the same right the, the deep coverage was removing stuff and they were kind of over the check down as well it was pretty much just Kyler's legs when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, the way that they're matching those those deeper patterns, um, you know, a lot of coaches on Twitter talk about getting layers on defense. Um, you know, they're the offense is trying to get like stretching elements of of the the, the zone like vertically. You know, get get three routes going, and so that means if you've got um, two layers of defense and you've got three layers of offense, then someone is getting high load. Um, whether it's at the third level, second level, or, or first level. So Seattle, just the way that they're relating to, you know, relating to the routes, letting the backfield um, distribution and form, like where they can push, where they can't push. Like if, if you if you take screenshots of them, like with a lot of these plays and some of the concepts Cliff was throwing out, they were pretty involved, I'd say. Um, and you took a screenshot, you've got literally like, a, a line of like 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 a uh, eclipse almost of Quandre on top of Brooks on top of Ryan Neal and they're all ten yards apart because um, that's where the routes are and they're just they're not letting their players get high load and it's everyone each individual playing their rule their rule right um, so it's just it's 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 really like last year when they were just defending anything and everything downfield um, so. Yeah, it's happening. It's um, happening now. The is happening. Uh, the third down as well. It I feels uh, I saw it last week as well. But they're now they're now they've sorted their stuff out. They're disguising a bit more obviously. Well, not obviously. That's the wrong word. But they're they're disguising more often and in different ways. And it's really the layering of the, the each coverage into the disguises really starting to show work yeah yeah um and and the the calls that they trotted out there they weren't very like hyper specific to arizona's personnel like it wasn't we have a hopkins game plan here because they've definitely had games where it felt like they've game planned a specific receiver this didn't feel like that this felt like they were more game planning maybe murray where his eyes were gonna go and where they weren't gonna go um but they, they were comfortable in every call because they played quarter, quarter, half, which is cover six, half quarter, quarter, which is cover eight. They played a little bit of cover one, um, a good amount of cover three. Um, and they were willing to put their guys on islands with Hopkins. They were willing to, you know, they weren't really 
concerned with Robbie Anderson. Now these guys are just getting going right in Arizona because they've just either a new team or getting back from suspension, but those guys are still dudes and they didn't act like they were dudes. So um, now is is that tremendous trust in Tariq Woolen? Is that tremendous trust in Mike Jackson and the safeties to do their part? Or is it uh, maybe should they have game planned them a little bit and they got, I don't know, maybe they got lucky. I mean, I, that's not how I see it, but I don't know. What, what, how did you perceive how they, how they um, accounted for their receiving threats? Yeah, I saw the same things as you. Which, I mean, boring for the podcast, but it, that's what happened. And Woolen, in particular, had a great game. Obviously, he got beat on that Ertz touchdown, which we spoke about in the, the post-game reaction. You could analyze that from the broadcast copy. But Pete mentioned how he varied his press technique, and that really did show up. And for the yeah. first time, we saw Woolen using... A quick jam, which is where you jam rather than using your feet first and then bringing the hands, you literally punch at the line of scrimmage immediately and then work back to stay on top. And Woolen was able to do that in middle field close, so cover three, well, only cover three, one cover, one rep. And he was able to do it from outside leverage where he'd use his uh, outside arm and then snatch to stay on top. And he was able to do it in inside leverage and use his inside arm, although that was more in middle field open stuff. But it was just really cool how he used that change up. He obviously had press bail and he had his, his usual soft shoe, like kick slide out technique. So testament to Carl Scott's work with him. that He's already at this stage. But also that quick jammer really gets hands on guys quick. And it's a real good change up. And it's probably the most physical thing in his in his toolkit right now. And Hopkins didn't like that. <laughs> so that really works. Right. Uh, Drift, we should, just to finish with the defense, we should mention that Achena Nuosu had an astonishing game in pass coverage, pass rush, run defense, everything. The, the, the guy did everything. I mean, there are situations where anyone in Nuosu's shoes should be screwed. And he single handedly was, was writing, was riding the ship um in a lot of those looks like having two pullers and sidesteps the first one dips under the second and gets one hand on kyler murray and he like tornadoes around and, and the next guy can rally and, and and play it um also a lot of though like a lot of those weak side runs um what really helped though was the second level getting leverage on those blocks forcing the ball back and that let everyone else rally so even though like they're not making the play they're 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 kind of preventing the explosive run and then everyone up front is then preventing the the six to the four to six yarder and they're turning into zero to two yarders so it was really good collective team defense and the fact that they didn't have a lot of specific things planned for like um schematic actions like you know like run oriented defending stunts or fire zones or you know being in certain fronts for it right I think that means that they all collectively focused within those fronts to defend the run really well. Like we have to be super aware of this. Like these are our indicators, you know, we have to overplay it. Um, so I, I think like that was kind of, um, it, it allowed them to live in the coverages they wanted to live in. So, and it hinged on defending the run well out of, out of this stuff because 
on paper, they weren't necessarily sound for it, but you become sound for it when you're more, you know, the players individually are prepared for it. So, um, whatever it did, it worked, you know, um, one thing, one thing else I want to bring up on the defense though, talking about how, uh, Tariq Woolen, if they're going to trust him with Hopkins and we've got another game coming up where he's going to have Mike Evans out on the perimeter, if you don't have to distribute surplus or whatever you want to call it, extra resources to defending the sideline when you've got a guy out there like that, if you can work with the assumption that Tariq Woolen can just handle it, that means you can play quarters to his side whenever you want. That means you can play cover three to his side, or not to his side, cover three collectively whenever you want. And then that lets you lean further into how you want to handle who is your overhang slash adjuster to that side. And then who also is the fourth rusher, who's the seventh dropper, like that whole game. When you've got that assurance, that gives you so much more flexibility. Because um, everything is like you plug one hole and it leaves another hole somewhere else. It's like whack-a-mole, mm-hmm. right? With, that's defense, yeah. That's defense. So if, if you can work with some base assumptions that, okay, we're good here, that means it's like that's a, a pivot point, then you can swing your arm out however you want in, in other areas. So if Tariq Woolen is giving the coaching staff that much confidence, I mean, that's huge um, moving forward. And it's indicative of how much confidence they, they have in him. And the dude's a fifth-round rookie who was incredibly raw. So just even more to your point about the work Carl Scott's doing with him. So And Pete Carroll was saying this. He was like, Carl's doing a lot of work with these rookies. Like they're really coming along further along than they thought they would. So, yep. And also, Shelby Harris had a good game as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just, the whole D line really bullied the heck out of him. Bruce was good again. Yeah. I mean, Bruce is a, he's a good player. Um, Dude's 35 and he's a good player. So, didn't take part in today's Techno Thursday. So, uh, yeah. Respect the, and the, that. the the Germans love techno, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they were all very upset about that. Yeah, he's Bruce Irvin not really endearing himself to our friends across the pond. He'll need to work on that. No, no. Um, so offense. So this is a weird one because a lot of Waldron's concepts are well covered, and the Cardinals disguised really well. And they span into some wild stuff like a lot of like true like three double cloud and like um Tampa two invert and mm-hmm. then also played tight cover one and fire zone and lots of good stuff, right? But then they also gave up thirty one points and they couldn't stop certain plays. And I mean, when you hear about defense, which is doing all that kind of disguise and is multiple and and has the different looks you the natural thing is it's sound and i mean it may be sound it may not be sound i think actually the cardinals biggest problem was they didn't have linebackers who could deal with the boot like basically what seemed to happen was seattle come out in 13 personnel the c gap would go to one side and so the, the linebacker responsible for the c gap would bump into the a gap then that C gap would slide uh, post snap across the line of scrimmage on the slide route, and the linebacker would just stand in the A gap, not rocking back with it. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah. doing here? Um, <laughs> so that was bad keying from the Cardinals. But and the funny thing is, is like it's not plays; it's all keys. 
because mm-hmm. well, what made the routes work, like the routes were the same. What made the routes work was the combination of pre-snap personnel alignments and then the initial backfield flow, like who's going where. But then by the time the actual routes are out in the pattern, they're identical almost, you know? Yeah. It's just hilarious. And I felt the offensive line played okay. Like most of it was coverage sacks. They 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 were given good time for Gina. They bullied JJ Watt on the interior. JJ's they... so done. It's sad to watch, but put him out. It's a name to say they bullied. Yeah, I bet it's sad. I mean, this game, I was I was like, oh man, he is like even last year he was still like a of average player. This year he's a jag. You can't separate him from Zach Allen sometimes. Oof. Um, sorry, JJ. The uh, well, is that not because Zach Allen is also white? That's exactly what I'm getting at, but right. nothing else is, you can't tell them apart. So out of, like, out of your okay. periphery, you'd be okay. like, was that JJ or Zach? Because they're not doing anything on the field. Okay. So Gino himself, I felt there was perhaps one play where I felt that on that locket uh, crossing route where he took his, he got whacked on the sack. I felt he could have lofted that over to Cole Flat Defender. That being said, that was after he'd almost thrown a pick and he'd been pick six. So in terms of risk, it's like mm, we we can't afford another turnover here. He could have easily flipped his hips and hit two checkdowns, though, on that play. And I think think he just – that's the play we can criticize him on for this game. Um, He had a checkdown there. I think he was just – his clock was just thinking, I've got that, and then it was like, oh, too late. Now I need to. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Gino. Uh, and then that pick was bad on reflection. I think what happened was he thought he thought the linebacker was covering the back out the backfield. Because mm. he sees the linebacker, the middle linebacker come down, the off-ball guy come down immediately with the back out. So I think he then looks to his conduct as like some kind of high-low thing on the outside. And he still thinks the linebacker's coming out. Um now he then he looks at his back and there's no one on the back, so he throws it and it's actually the linebacker was being a rat and the the whoever it was who picked it off, he was appealing with the running back, so he pass rushes, but if the running back's out, he takes him out of the backfield and he did a good job just like latching onto the tackle before expanding. And he coverage out to pick six and again that was bad on Gino. Just to, needed to really check that a bit more carefully, but you know, that won't happen again. And then, yeah, I've some crazy good throws, like the the throw to, you know, he's staring down uh, a dig front side. It's into Tampa 2 invert. The window's almost there, and then he's with the pocket collapsing around him. He can't wait on that one any longer. So he backside throws the curl route. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous throw on, on a big third down as well. Where he hits Noah fan and uh, it was quite early in the game, but that that was amazing. And it was, this, yeah. Go ahead. Well, th- there was another great throw, but I can't remember. It was it was the the backside it. dig to to lock it on that third and was it a fourteen third and yes, twelve third and four third and fourteen. Yeah. Um, it's funny when they run that play when Lockett is weak, they run a dig. When they run that play with when DK is weak, they run a curl. Um, that is funny. And it's like it's the same concept, um, really. But um, yeah. And so, 
this was uh, the dropback game. This game was more pure, like kind of Shanny McVeigh, like as we've seen it in recent iterations this past few years. Um, and the reason why they haven't done a lot of it, they've certainly done it, but they haven't done as much of it as maybe we thought going into the into the season is because they realize they have a quarterback that can just dunk on people. So like you don't need to, you know, s- slice and dice in that way. But really, so was the Shani McVeigh thing a safety blanket because Waldron couldn't get a beat on what exactly Arizona was because of how weird the defense kind of is? Um, I mean maybe. But he also knows that they do enough spot dropping that windows are there. Yeah. And with and even though even though they can test those windows, when you've got a quarterback who can execute really highly within those plays, um, you you can just out execute them. You can just be better than them at what they're doing. Um, and uh, it's really great that Noah Fant is joining that chorus because along with DK and Tyler because. One, it's another guy on the field that can do it, but that's kind of that's what that's what really takes him from being a talent that you can scheme up in the play action game to really being a useful piece of your drop back game. Um, and you know, Shane Waldron has said you want three threats, you want it for play action sake, but you also want it for the drop back game. Um, and and Gino, the quarterback, knowing that they've got that guy in the progression because he's the last round in the progression. So um, maybe not the last one, but the second to last one anyway. Gino, knowing that he's got him there, like if, if I can just trust my eyes, read what the technique is of the defender, that Mike goes strong. I know if I snap weak, I've got Noah Fant there. And he that's part of why he was so confident in the pocket there and he didn't freak out even though he got literally got bumped, um, throws the ball with his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. It's because he knows in his head the play is going to work if I stick with it. So um, even when under duress. So that that's just high-level stuff. And really who it reminded me of the most was Phillip Rivers because Rivers would do shit like that all the time. Where <laughs> Yeah, you'd be like, what? How, how, how is that? Yeah, funny? he's, you know, like... While screaming about something. Right, right in his southern twang and then he just pulls off a throw and it's like in structure but he's at the same time in philip river's own way creating at the same time like gino's creating there right even though it's in structure and all that stuff um so it's it's really cool to see that um the the other big well i think there are two other pieces of this game when they offensively when they had success well you talked about all the the play action slide stuff, but they came out in heavy personnel. They kind of focused that a little bit more in the first half, whereas that was more of a second half game plan adjustment in the first Cardinals game. So clearly they just went back to the well. They went back to what worked. And um, it still works. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, and it still works. They, they clearly, for the reasons we talked about, they clearly can't correct to it. So um, it kind of takes so, them out of their game a little bit because they, they want to pick apart passing indicators that's what they wanted that's what Vance Joseph ultimately wants to do and his answer for the boot is blitzing it um, when he doesn't have a blitz called they clearly clearly have no idea what they're doing Waldron realized that and just exploited that element all game long yeah that was um, awesome. when, when they're in under center but then the other piece of this unless you have another comment you want to jump in was when they did go into dropback situations and they did show pressure or indeed send pressure the first Cardinals game, they just couldn't quite beat it. If they did read it out, they couldn't 
block it up. Gino couldn't get the perfect throw off, or maybe they, they didn't protect right. The running back didn't pick up the right guy. If it was full slide and he had to find him or, you know, it was uh, essentially forcing man protection. The running back just has to find the unblocked dude. Um, this was a game where they spent a, like, I feel like more time pre-snap um, against their pressure looks to try to really suss it out and figure out who's coming, who isn't. And then Gino just getting to the open guy, like multi, like a couple of those, a couple of those conversions where they had, especially after the, after the interception, when they really got rolling, um, it was just Gino hitting, hitting quick gains um, and, and finding out who the blister is, finding out essentially where the flat defender isn't and, and getting the ball out for little short gains to move the chains. Great stuff. And so what do you think of Kenneth Walker? Cause I, 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 we said about how perhaps he'd missed some holes in the post game uh, reaction. He so he and definitely he didn't, didn't. He definitely did not in the final drive. Yes, final two <laughs> right. drives. Right. I mean, I he think found the everything. Tape showed probably less than the broadcast suggested. I think the run blocking had its moments of you know just run blocking being a bit random and needing mm-hmm. kind of perfection at times, but um. The the egregious one was when he didn't follow the fullback through um, down at the goal line, one well, of the goal line inside the red zone, because that would have been a first down, uh, well, a touchdown, but he just kept bouncing it, and there was a crease there. But, yeah. I mean, it, I, it was nowhere near as bad as I think it may have looked yeah. on the broadcast, and then that final drive was unbelievable. Yeah. What, and they mixed in counter in an interesting way for him. Oh, did they? Yeah. remember well sorry we'll, sorry we'll go power, on. Great power. i mean power it's late. okay yeah I yeah no no i, re- I remember that i know yeah um they pulled a guard um they did can confirm yeah. he running backs don't or linebackers don't know what to do with him in between the tackles when he's at his best because he will if it's uh he'll he'll, he'll follow the block as needed but then when they're thinking they need to when he's pressing uh his initial gap the linebackers are thinking, okay, do we need to fall back for this? His ability to hit the front side gap that opens up at the speed that he does when he's not like full go is just crazy. And the linebackers can't track how fast he's actually moving. Like, I don't think it's one thing to not be able to catch up with him, but as far as their eyes go, I don't think they're expecting him to go that fast. And before it's too late before they realize it. Um, some of those runs that he had where he's just kind of like, He's like progressively like bouncing front side off of his blocks as they continue to climb. Is like the play's over before they even know it, and um, you can almost kind of see the surprise on their in their body language trying to defend it. And it was crazy. It's like that's what we've seen all the explosive runs already, right? But those those like four to twelve yarders that we're seeing, not that they're going to be twelve yards every time, but th- that's the optimized version of of his skill set in between the tackles. And that's really exciting because I think we're going to see more of that from him in addition to those home runs that we get feels like one to two of a game where he's hitting something 20 plus yards. Um, So, yeah. Agreed. And maybe Griff will see that in Germany where the Seahawks play the Buccaneers. And surprisingly, perhaps, the Seahawks are 2.5 underdogs. (sighs) Are they? 
They are, despite the fact that Tampa Bay are four and five, and the Seahawks are six and three. I wonder so, why that is. Is is does the market lag? Do do people that are sport better, sport bet extraordinaires is is that a phenomenon? Huh? What? Not sect. Mm. We had a comment actually from the pencil sect in oh, the, right. from the last podcast saying that HB is to do with pencil softness. So thank you very much for that. I apologize. I forgot. Yeah, so if that. the sports better contingency of the Seattle Overload audience drop a comment, tell us why they're underdog, 2.5 underdogs. Um, Explain it, yourselves. Well, technically, it's a road game for Seattle, right? Is that yeah, part but of Yeah, but like that, that's nonsense. Right. No, I agree. But I'm wondering, could that be why? I don't know. So th- this game, I think for Seattle offensively, uh, Todd Bowles will his single high defense is like really simple, like as far as coverage tools go. He knows but Gino Griff. He does know Gino. That's a good point. I wonder if that will be at play here at all. Um, Probably not. But so, like, what I'm saying is they just do a lot of spot drop. But where he is an interesting defensive mind is that, or where he kind of hangs his hat when he is playing one high because he likes to be gapped out when he can, um, is he'll disguise who's rushing and who's dropping, like uh, that that sort of thing, or or he'll give you a pressure look and then he'll disguise heavily, present too high, come down on one high. But it's just is there a way to stop that Griff? Well, yeah, you can you can use all the coverage indicate pre snap indicators that you can. Do you, do you wanna you wanna take the ball and run there? Run with well, it. Well. I, I was thinking, Griff, you, you could talk about the pistol looks. So this could be the the game to use, like full house pistol, um, start a full house pistol, and then motion out into motion out to whatever you want to motion out into. But it will force um, linebackers to adjust their um, to to adjust their alignments and then you can undress themselves undress themselves you can figure out who the overhangs are and and who's rushing that helps you to know how to set the protection and stuff the beauty of what seattle has been doing recently is that they've been playing 12 personnel but then they haven't been afraid to shift into empty or spread looks out of it um so this would i mean it's kind of their usage for that is kind of perfectly aligns with who they're playing because that will really help them with with the whole pre-snap game and if gino does figure you out i think we're going to get some wide open seam routes up the middle when they are in cover three um but uh it's the too high stuff where it gets really interesting um because that's where bulls will trot out his combo coverages he even has couple of cover seven calls for like third and must pass situations that's like man match quarters right um really hyper specific coverage tools to erase certain um receivers of, he used to do loads of two cover two invert stuff yeah and he, he even loves two man like two man match too i don't know if he's doing that this year but uh so it'll it'll be i mean they're a good defense it'll be hard to throw on them um and so I, I wonder how they handle. I wonder how they handle the gun constraint runs. Um, but we're, we're going to see. I think we're going to see a really long, or what, what am I saying? A slow, methodical game pace, so that the 
as much can be won pre-snap as possible. Um, Makes sense. And then yeah. Tom Brady's the Buccaneers quarterback, Griffin. Uh, he's he's all right. Yeah, he, he he's still Tom. Like the the zip he can put on the ball is still crazy. Um, it, yeah, there's a lot of other issues which have, have made them four and five. It's not like Tom regressing necessarily. Right, right. Now I was talking to um someone yesterday, uh, Paul Atwal on Twitter, who is a covers the Bucks, and he was um he was telling me like Tom skill set wise is still pretty much Tom who he was last year and everything, but he he is playing with a little bit of a kind of messed up timing. Um, as a as a negative uh, uh, result from their offensive line injuries that they've had, um, but then in recent weeks the offensive line has gotten better. But then Tom hasn't caught up with it, so it's like he needs, in, in Paul's words, needs to recalibrate himself a little bit with his timing because mm. um, he's kind of missing some things downfield and being too quick to check it down. It's like he's a little rattled playing it safe. Um, so that's interesting. Interest- so it's interesting for Seattle's sake because will he will he unleash a little bit more? And then Seattle will be tested by the talent that they have. Even if Godwin isn't having his best year, he's still Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is still Mike Evans. But if he doesn't, Seattle's problem relative weakness right now is still defending the check down. Now I feel like it's more of, and defending short in general, I feel like it's more of an actual tackling issue right now and less so a proximity problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I feel like there's space for it now. It's just Kobe Bryant just got to make that tackle. Even Jordan Brooks had a missed tackle in the flat. And that Brian was a long Neal ways had to one. Go. Ryan Neal had one. So it's like you just make the tackles, guys, and then you're good. Um, so how will that align? But the fact that they're doing not necessarily so much quick game, but quick passing, hmm. how is that going to affect um, how they defend? Now, one thing we didn't talk about in the Cardinals game, and this might relate to it when they were playing cover three and they would the cardinals would present those stack routes and then or not stack routes um, stack alignments and you're in cover mm-hmm. three you're wanting to play ripple is well who's the number one who's the number two receiver so seattle just would spot drop their overhangs kobe bryant wasn't always carrying a seam especially when you send the running back out to the flat so like just make it simple have kobe be the flat defender have the hook stack a zone and, and relate to those routes. So are we going to see more spot drop from the nickel and the safety again out on the, in the overhangs in the seams um, to help defend like, you know, all the things Tom will do in the underneath. Cause he will find the soft spot and he will. And they've had real issues with like mesh, for instance, the man like mesh still looked rough against the Cardinals. That was the one thing where Brooks is like, trying to push with the three when it's yeah. fast like you, you did just find the next in breaker but he wasn't able to do that that well yeah so i'm sure brady will try that that's one thing that they've shown and the other thing i'd say is uh tweet woolen when he's in like a cover two cornerback um when the quarterback stops his feet or sets up he stops getting depth um now that may have been a kyler specific thing and it obviously does work, but that's something I think Brady would look to exploit. So if you see the ball thrown over Woolen's head in cover two, uh, watch out for that. And then finally, Woolen also busted a cover three against Arizona, which they got away with. And I think that's the kind of rookie variance that's going to happen. His one went shallow. He ran with it when 
there was no like he he should just pass that off and get depth to look for the the next dude. And I think you know he, he'll have those rookie errors, but hopefully that doesn't happen against Tom Brady because it's Tom Brady anyway. I'm sure it won't. Uh, Griffin score prediction with the with the information. I'll give you this: the total is forty six. Uh, I'm going the under. Yeah. I think it's going to be defensive game. I think Seattle will have another game where they they have some shining moments, but they don't have an, an explosive explosive volume day. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. I think it's going to be um, twenty one seventeen, Seattle. Interesting. I think the Seahawks win thirty one seven. You you love those two numbers, don't you? I I mean I love thirty one. And I love seven. Yeah, I do. You're right. You got me. Okay, we'll be back with the Seattle Overload podcast where I'll be more awake. Griff will be very awake. My words. <laughs> Getting up at six, whatever it is. We're, we'll be back on Sunday with a live reaction. Probably about two hours because I need to get back from the game. And I'm not sure I'll do it in the stadium. With a live reaction of hopefully beating the Buccaneers, hopefully going to win five in a row, hopefully going to seven of three. But if not, we'll still be there. Thank you, everyone, right. for tuning in live. Thank I you, have... everyone, for listening. Hold up. I have a joke that apparently plays really well in Germany. No, no. I'm so tired. Can We will tell jokes until morale improves. Can a kangaroo jump higher than a house? Yes, because a house can't jump. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>